Hello, friends. Today is September 18th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, where we spend a half hour each day reading through the scriptures in their entirety and pointing out highlights you don't want to miss. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and it is a joy to be with you. Today we read in the book of Psalms, Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this. It is true that when we revisit the same scriptures that we might have read before, the word that God has spoken, we get fresh new levels of understanding, as if we never heard it before. I find it so encouraging to know that God is still speaking through what He has already spoken. We are reading from the Old Testament prophecies of Isaiah today and Paul's letter to the Galatians in the New Testament. In both readings, God's people are being rebuked for turning away from His counsel and looking to other means of deliverance, be it Egypt, justification through one's own works under the law, or relying on the flesh. It reminds us also of those who put their trust in the wisdom of this world with its failed social experiments and have suffered the consequences. Well, we have a lot to cover today in a short half hour, so let's get started where we left off yesterday, reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 28, beginning with verse 14. Isaiah, chapter 28, verse 14. A Cornerstone in Zion. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule this people in Jerusalem. Because you have said, We have made a covenant with death, and with jail we have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip passes through, it will not come to us, for we have made lies our refuge, and in falsehood we have taken shelter. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who is laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. And I will make justice the line, and righteousness the plumb line, and hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and waters will overwhelm the shelter. Then your covenant with death will be annulled, and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge passes through, you will be beaten down by it. As often as it passes through, it will take you. From morning by morning it will pass through, by day and by night and it will be a sheer terror to understand the message. For the bed is too short to stretch oneself on, and the covering too narrow to wrap oneself in. For the Lord will rise up as on Mount Perizim, as in the valley of Gibeon he will be roused. To do his deed, strange is his deed, and to work his work, alien is his work. Now therefore do not scoff, lest your bonds be made strong, For I have heard a decree of destruction from the Lord God of hosts against the whole land. Give ear and hear my voice. Give attention and hear my speech. Does he who plows for sowing plow continually? Does he continually open and harrow his ground? When he has leveled its surface, does he not scatter dill, sow cumin, and put in wheat in rows, and barley in its proper place, and emmer as the border? for he is rightly instructed, his God teaches him. Dill is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor is a cart wheel rolled over cumin, but dill is beaten out with a stick, and cumin with a rod. Does one crush grain for bread? No, he does not thresh it forever. When he drives his cart wheel over it with his horses, he does not crush it. This also comes from the Lord of hosts. 
He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. Chapter 29 The Siege of Jerusalem Ah, Ariel, Ariel, the city where David encamped! Add year to year, let the feasts run their ground, yet I will distress Ariel, and there shall be moaning and lamentation, and she shall be to me like an Ariel, and I will encamp against you all around, and will besiege you with towers, and I will raise siege-works against you, and you will be brought low. From the earth you shall speak, and from the dust your speech will be bowed down. Your voice shall come from the ground like the voice of a ghost, and from the dust your speech shall whisper. But the multitude of your foreign foes shall be like small dust, and the multitude of the ruthless like passing chaff. And in an instant, suddenly, you will be visited by the Lord of hosts, with thunder and with earthquake and great noise, with whirlwind and tempest and the flame of a devouring fire. And the multitude of all the nations that fight against Ariel, all that fight against her and her stronghold and distress her, shall be like a dream, a vision of the night, as when a hungry man dreams, and behold, he is eating and awakes with his hunger not satisfied, or as when a thirsty man dreams, and behold, he is drinking, and awakes faint, with his thirst not quenched, so shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Mount Zion. Astonish yourselves, and be astonished. Blind yourselves, and be blind. Be drunk, but not with wine. Stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord has poured out upon you a spirit of deep sleep, and has closed your eyes, the prophets, and covered your heads, the seers. And the vision of all this has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed. When men give it to one who can read, saying, Read this, he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. And when they give the book to one who cannot read, saying, Read this, he says, I cannot read. And the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people, with wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. Ah, you who hide deep from the Lord your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, Who sees us? Who knows us? You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay? that the thing made should say of its maker, He did not make me, or the thing formed say of him who formed it, He has no understanding. Is it not yet a very little while until Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be regarded as a forest? In that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless shall come to nothing, and the scoffer cease, and all who watch to do evil shall be cut off, who by a word make a man out to be an offender, and lay a snare for him who reproves in the gate, and with an empty plea turn aside him who is in the right. Therefore thus says the Lord, who redeemed Abraham, concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall no more be ashamed, no more shall his face grow pale. For when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, he will sanctify my name. They will sanctify the Holy One of Jacob, and will stand in awe of the God of Israel.
and those who go astray in spirit will come to understanding, and those who murmur will accept instruction. Chapter 30. Do not go down to Egypt. Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan, but not mine, and who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction, to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh, and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the protection of Pharaoh turn to your shame, and the shelter in the shadow of Egypt to your humiliation. For though his officials are at Zoan, and his envoys reach Hanaz, everyone comes to shame, through a people that cannot profit them, that brings neither help nor profit, but shame and disgrace. An oracle on the beasts of the Negeb. Through a land of trouble and anguish, from where come the lioness and the lion, the adder and the flying fiery serpent, they carry their riches on the backs of donkeys and their treasures on the humps of camels to a people that cannot profit them. Egypt's help is worthless and empty. Therefore I have called her Rahab who sits still. And now go, write it before them on a tablet and inscribe it in a book that they may be for the time to come as a witness forever. For they are a rebellious people, lying children, children unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, Do not see, and to the prophets, Do not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us smooth things, prophesy illusions, leave the way, turn aside from the path, let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament today from the prophet Isaiah. Now let's step back and reflect upon what we have just read. Our reading in chapter 28 is a continuation of Isaiah's prophecy against Israel. The first woe, a prophecy of judgment, is against the north, Ephraim, chapter 28, verses 1 through 3. The second woe, which is against the southern kingdom of Judah, begins with verse 14. But the word woe relating to this prophecy does not appear until the prophecy continues in chapter 29, verse 1. The prophet describes the false confidence that the people of Jerusalem had in Egypt and their alliance with them as being a covenant of death. Thinking that the Egyptians would protect them from Assyria, the leaders of Jerusalem, under King Hezekiah, put their trust in a heathen nation rather than trust in God. Hezekiah would heed the prophet's warning and call out to the Lord for deliverance. In contrast to the unsure foundation of unholy alliances, the promised Messiah would be a sure foundation. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone. In the New Testament, the Apostle Peter will relate these images to Christ in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. So will the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 9, verse 33. Yet Jerusalem was opting to take refuge in lies and shelter in falsehoods rather than relate to the truth of God's word. Isaiah announces that Jerusalem's belief that God would not judge them for their unbelief was a delusion in chapter 28, verses 21 through 29. Isaiah says that God would do a strange work, an unusual task, in verse 21. In the past, God had saved them from their enemies. Now he would have to save them from themselves by bringing judgment upon them. God would use their enemies to fight against his own people. God knows how to bring about the desired result. God can use whatever tool He wants to shape us according to His will, even the crucible of suffering. 
He can use the tool of instruction, plowing and planting the Word of God, or he can use the tool of suffering. Grain is often threshed by beating and crushing. In chapter 28, verses 24 through 28, the farmer knows the correct method to use so as not to damage the grain he wants to extract. So also God knows how to bring down the chastisement of judgment upon his people in order to release the choice grain. Judah will come under attack from Assyria, but it will be God who delivers her. She will later be taken into captivity to Babylon, but it will be God who restores her and achieves his choice purpose of bringing forth his promised seed. The prophecy against Jerusalem, here called Ariel, meaning Lion of God or Altar Hearth, continues in chapter 29. The name Ariel implies that she thought of herself as being as invincible as a lion. This is the root cause of the second woe. Isaiah 29 verse 1, Woe, O Ariel, Ariel the city where David once camped. Add year to year, observe your feasts on schedule. We know that Ariel refers to Jerusalem from the context. Jerusalem is the city where David settled and where the feasts of the Lord are celebrated. The Lord will bring the Assyrians to surround Jerusalem. From divine viewpoint, it is not the Assyrians besieging Jerusalem, it is the Lord. Yet God will prevent the Assyrians from gaining entrance and will drive them away. I will camp against you, encircling you, and I will set siege works against you, and I will raise up battle towers against you. Isaiah chapter 29 verse 3. The Lord is using this humiliation in the lives of the people of Judah when it is besieged by Assyrians to call them back to himself. Judah's covenant with Egypt and Syria cannot help her. God is her deliverer, and he promises to blow away their enemies like dust in verse 5. We will read how this happens in chapter 37. The Lord promises to conceal his mysteries from his people. It is because they draw near to God in their words, but they remove their hearts from him. He describes the blindness of his people and their lack of discernment. As a judgment, the wisdom of the wise men will perish, and the discernment of the discerning will be concealed. What is hidden in the Old Testament becomes revealed in the New. A third woe is introduced in verse 15. Men think they can secretly make their plans at night and hide them from God. He rebukes their foolishness. In Isaiah 29, verse 16, we read, You turn things around. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay, that what is made would say to its maker, He did not make me, or what is formed say to him who formed it, He has no understanding? After the judgment is over, God will offer His blessing of mercy. Notice how these are displayed in the ministry of Jesus. On that day, the deaf will hear words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind will see. The afflicted also will increase their gladness in the Lord, and the needy of mankind will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah chapter 29, verses 18 and 19. The fourth woe concerns Judah's alliance with Egypt in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 1. In trusting Egypt, they are leaning on the arm of the flesh rather than the work of the Spirit. Woe to the rebellious children, declares the Lord, who execute a plan but not mine, and make an alliance but not of my spirit, in order to add sin to sin, who proceed down to Egypt without consulting me, to take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh, and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Isaiah chapter 30, verses 1 and 2. Do we consult the Lord when we make our plans? Do we ask God for wisdom? Do we act presumptuously? 
the Lord warns Judah of its futile alliance with Egypt, even Egypt, whose help is vain and empty. Therefore I have called her Rahab, who has been exterminated. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 7. The poetic synonym Rahab is given to Egypt. It is a name in Ugaritic literature for a female sea monster that appears strong but does nothing. Isaiah is challenged by the Lord to put all these prophecies in writing as they will be a witness to the rebellious people who would prefer that Isaiah prophesy illusions in chapter 30, verses 8 through 11. Now let's move on to our New Testament reading from the book of Galatians, beginning with chapter 3, verse 23, and we will read through to chapter 4, verse 31. Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Chapter 4. Sons and Heirs I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are, you did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first, and though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. 
Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament passage from Paul's letter to the Galatians. In the last verse we read yesterday, verse 22 of chapter 3, Paul said the law was like a prison, designed to show us that in its eyes we are all convicted criminals in need of release. Christ releases the penitent believer from the prison of condemnation and bondage. Now in verse 23, Paul uses the analogy of the law being like a strict tutor assigned to take a child to school until that child comes of age and learns its need for Christ. Then the tutor's services are no longer needed, so the law was designed to bring us to Christ. A child who came of age would lay aside its childish garments and put on a new toga. Paul uses this picture as an analogy of those who have identified with Christ, been baptized into Christ, as having put off the old clothing of the law and have now clothed themselves with Christ. Under the law, they lived by duty. In this new relationship, they live by Christ. Together with all other believers, they are all clothed in Christ's sufficiency. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. Galatians chapter 3, verses 28 and 29. As Abraham's seed, the Jews were heirs of the promise, but in their experience under the law, they were still living as slaves, waiting to become of age to claim what was legally deeded to them. Now that Christ has come and fulfilled the law on their behalf, the time set by the Father has arrived for both believing Jews and Gentiles to lay claim to the inheritance won for them. They are free to no longer act as slaves to the law, but sons, privileged to live in the Spirit as children of God. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Now that we have a personal relationship with God as Father, it makes no sense to go back to being a slave to the elemental things such as the observances of feasts that are only a shadow of which Jesus is the substance. Scaffolding is used in the process of constructing an edifice, but once the building is complete, the scaffolding must come down. It is no longer useful, and it obscures the beauty of the finished work. Paul implores those who are fascinated with the appeal of the Judaizers to return to the law to think twice. He urges them to be like he is now, free, instead of how he once was, living in bondage under the law. He reminds the Galatians that they have lost their joy and they have lost their first love. They originally received him with gladness, 
all because of what Jesus had done for him by grace. At that time, Paul had a bodily illness affecting his eyes, and their loving sympathy was so strong that they would have given up their own eyesight for him. Where, then, is that sense of blessing you had? For I bear you witness that, if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. Galatians chapter 4, verse 15. Now the Galatians were not so fond of Paul. They would prefer that he let them adopt a religion that fostered their self-righteousness according to the rules and regulations of the Judaizers. Paul likens his personal labor to release the Galatians from their religious bondage to the painful process of childbirth. He wants them to be free from legalism. The law fails to make them Christ-like. It takes Christ's life to be Christ-like. He labors to convince them of this truth. Once again, he appeals to his Torah-loving audience to truly understand what the Torah truly teaches. He gives an allegorical interpretation, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that contrasts two brothers. They are born of different mothers, Hagar and Sarah, Abraham's two wives. He also contrasts two mountains of Sinai and Zion to illustrate the difference between living by the law or living by Christ. The son of the bondwoman, Ishmael, was not the son of promise and represents Sinai. The son of the free woman, Isaac, was indeed the son of promise and represents Zion, where the presence of God dwells. We are not to live in slavery as sons of the law, we are to live in freedom as sons of God. Grace is God doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Sarah conceived and gave birth to Isaac when it was beyond her ability to do so. Just as Ishmael persecuted Isaac, so those who adopt self-justifying religion through law-keeping will persecute those who have the witness that they have been made righteous by grace through faith in Christ alone. Now let's move on to the book of Psalms, Psalm 62, verses 1 through 12. My soul waits for God alone. To the choirmaster, according to Jeduthun, a psalm of David, Psalm 62. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath, those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. This psalm reflects David's trust in God despite the opposition of his enemies who want to kill him. David knows where his salvation comes from. He says in verse 2, He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. He is surrounded by those who delight in falsehood. They are deceived and deceptive. David counsels others to put their trust in God as he has. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. 
Psalm 62, verse 8. We are not to put our hope in this world's wisdom or riches. Do not trust in oppression and do not vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. Psalm 62, verse 10. Verse 11 is profound. God's word is once and for all truth. But how often when we hear it again, we discover new truth, so we feel we have never heard it before. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and loving kindness is yours, O Lord, for you recompense a man according to his work. Psalm 62, verses 11 and 12. And now for our final stop on our Bible reading tour today, we go to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 23, verses 19 through 21. Hear, my son, and be wise, and direct your heart in the way. Be not among drunkards, or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. The drunkard and the glutton are examples of undisciplined lifestyles. Their careless behavior easily leads to poverty. Excessive eating and drinking are usually symptoms of deeper problems and an inability to cope with them. In contrast to the undisciplined ways of the foolish that lead to poverty, we are called to apply God's wisdom to our daily decisions. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Be careful not to adopt the habits of those who are dull to their privileges and responsibilities as those made in God's image. Let's pray together. O God, our God, you are so rich in love and mercy that you have sent your Son in the fullness of time to be born under the law and to fulfill the law on our behalf so that your promise might come to us of a new birth in Christ. So by the Holy Spirit we cry, Abba, Father. We are so blessed to be your children and to know that we are accepted in the belovedness of Christ our Lord and our Savior. We rest in his finished work of righteousness, knowing that we are now complete in him. Thank you for delivering us from bondage to the law, to the flesh, and to the satanic hold of the world system. We pray that you will keep us standing fast in this freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. I trust you were encouraged by today's intake of God's Word and that for the rest of the day you will be filled with the Spirit and reminded of the great grace that is upon us. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and encourage others to join with you on a Bible reading journey. Our goal is to combat the biblical illiteracy in our culture and that by reading the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit will enlighten people to its unsurpassable wisdom. If you would like to know more about New Life Community Church and its ministries, you can go to our website. You can also subscribe there to a written copy of our daily commentary on the one-year Bible readings. Also, you are always welcome to giving your comments, your questions, your feedback, and we will do our best to get back in touch with you. You can write emails to us at podcast at newlife.org. So until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Shalom.